Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, August 27th. Live as much as possible at the midpoint between all opposites. That is where the infinite spirit dwells. Everything in creation is dual. Thus did the one become many. Every up is cancelled by a down. Light is balanced by darkness. Pleasure by pain. Emotional love by hatred. I say emotional love because there is no opposite to divine love and no balancing opposite to divine joy. Eternal truths lie at the point midway between all opposites. Therefore, I say, live more at your center in the heart. Well, this is not an elementary book. I've joked about it before and I'll hold it up again. See the little sunflower... Looks like, oh, this is so easy. It's just going to be little aphorisms like play with your dog every day, you know, smell the flowers. It's like, no, no, this is not a book for just like temporary distraction from the things that bother us. This is really about how to be free. What does he say here? Timeless wisdom to enrich every day. But these are, these are real, these are real solutions so this whole one that Swami is suggesting that, that you should live at the midpoint between the opposites, I, I know many of you listening to this because I myself have struggled to understand this over decades on the spiritual path. You just sort of think, what the heck is he talking about? So let me just try to give some images that will at least give you a feeling for what he's talking about. I live in a community where we have a beautiful open green in the center And there's some very big, old, beautiful trees that have just been there for a long time. Really wonderful friends of the community who, who with their their nobility, really bless our community. And there's this one tree, I I think it's an elm, if I'm correct. And it has a beautiful big trunk and roots, who knows how far they go. And there's a number of trees sort of ringing the perimeter of the green. So some of the branches kind of cross each other. And if you're just walking and looking up, if you're not looking carefully, you don't immediately know what every branch is unless you try to identify it by the leaves, which of course you can. So sometimes I realize that I'm some distance from the trunk of what I often think of as the grandmother tree of the property. Um, I'm often some distance from it and I'm way over here. And and in between, there might have been another trunk or two, but I'm still working with something that traces its source all the way back to this trunk, even though it's quite some distance. And the tree, the life force of the tree, this branch, which although it may be the furthest extension of um, uh, of this tree, its life force is fully present in the, even in that farthest limb. But all of the life force emanates from that trunk. The branches are, are enlivened and nurtured from what the trunk is drawing up through the roots and then sending out that far. So if I just tried 
to, to isolate the last two feet of a branch and say that this is what's happening, it would, it would be false because that doesn't even exist unless you trace it back to the center point. And when we're, you're standing with that trunk or, or you know, leaning up against that trunk, communing with that trunk, you feel that this is the truth of its life. And it extends out in all these directions and all of those can blow in the wind. They can even be cut off. They can be changed. They can even be burned, a lot of them. But the, the truth of that tree is from the center of it. And standing in the center, you can also deal with all the extensions. But if you're way out on the limb and that begins to blow and shake and all these things happen, you don't have any position from which to remain strong and steady. But if you stand always in the trunk and then reach out as far as you have to reach out, then you have this enormous wellspring of strength and power that you can bring to bear to protect or resolve or to heal whatever might be happening, no matter how far it is out from the periphery. So you have to understand when Swami says live at the center that doesn't mean that you cut off the branch. That means that you relate to all the opposites from the calm point of center. Instead of, again, to use the image, like a little squirrel running to the end of the branch and then having the branch bounce and bounce and you don't know what's going to happen. But if you're reaching from the center point out, just even if you stand in the trunk of your own body and extend your arm out, you can flap your fingers and all sorts of things will happen. But that that arm and hand remain connected to the source of power and the arm will never have to just sort of function on its own because it will always be where you are. And if you try to actually see the arm as an independent entity, it gets, well, it becomes completely crazy. You can see what it is. But in our lives, we often do that. You know, we we walk out on that branch and that branch is family, that branch is home, that branch is career, that branch is attachment to one person, that branch is, is fear of discovery of something you've done wrong, that, that, that branch is, you know, the hope for success in a particular area, that branch is disappointment in something that happened. You walk out to the end of the branch and you bounce on the branch like the little squirrel, you're just absolutely vulnerable to every little breeze that blows. You'll just get knocked around without having any idea how to hold yourself stable in the midst of life's storms. But if you stand in the center of yourself and deal appropriately with that branch, send it the force that it's needed, you know, uh, withdraw the force if it, if it can't be saved, you'll see a plant sometimes, a branch will die. The, the, the branch will just draw, withdraw the life force because it's not fruitful anymore to keep that branch going. Or forces have simply you know, severed that branch. If I'm hanging on the end of the branch and it gets cut off, I crash to the ground without any stability. If I'm standing at the center and even a big branch gets amputated, it changes me. There's no doubt that it changes me. But it doesn't take away my life force. It reorients me, but it doesn't have to redefine me. So that's what Swami's talking about. He's not talking about pretending that nothing ever happens. Often when people hear that you should live centered, that you should remain calm in the midst of life difficulties, 
that you should be at the still point between the dualities, it sounds so boring to them. But that means that that should be your point of reference, that you shouldn't surrender, you shouldn't, you shouldn't define yourself by the ups and downs. The other image as well is that the, the image of the big beautiful tree is to think of the ocean and how deep the ocean is and how, how tumultuous the waves on the surface can be, but how different it is if you sink down even a little. I've shared in some of these broadcasts that I had, I spent a couple of years when I was doing scuba diving. I was never very good or very confident at it. So even though I, I was certified and so on, I eventually gave it up because I, was, I just was never comfortable. Even though I loved being underwater, I absolutely loved the, the ability to swim around deep in the ocean. I was always aware that I was underwater. And it just, the, the pleasure and the tension were, were just too neck and neck, so I gave it up. But I did it enough to have this extraordinary sense of what can go on in the depth of the ocean compared to what's going on on the surface. And one particular very memorable trip, we were in the tropics somewhere, so it was very warm. And when we went down, the weather was one way, but then a tropical storm came. And I remember breaking the surface and just being at eye level with my goggles like this, which I always really liked looking at the surface of the water. And it was raining. And it was actually raining very hard. And so there was all this water pelting. And so all these, uh, uh, what do you call, reactions to the water, splashes being created. And just as it happened, I believe it was also sunny. And so the water, the water hitting the ocean looked like diamonds. So there was this storm of diamonds happening, just blowing up from all over the place. As soon as I dropped my eyes down, gone. Just absolutely gone. As soon as I came up, there was a storm of diamonds down, nothing. So this is also what we're talking about. It's not that we don't see it. It's not that we don't have to relate appropriately to the sorrows that we're experiencing the joys and successes, the obstacles, the nights and the days. We can't just sort of hang out there frozen in the middle. To live at the midpoint doesn't mean that we just kind of glance around and never participate. Swamiji, he was such an extraordinary example because he was completely committed to whatever the situation required, whatever the appropriate response was. He was fully able to enter into it. But one of the reasons he was fully able to enter into it is he always did it from that that center point of calmness. So, I mean, just think about it. When uh, everything is agitated around you, if somebody comes in with calmness, okay, this is what we have to do. You know, this is what's needed in this particular circumstances. All right, I see, you know, there's an emergency here. Now this is what we're going to do. It's just such a breath of fresh air compared to the people who are just running around in circles and don't know what to do with it. How, how are we able to deal with a crisis like that? How are we able even to celebrate, you know, what a wonderful success has been achieved right now. But if we're always standing at the center, when the opposite comes, it's just we, we're able to just enjoy it from the same center point. We haven't transferred our center of reality into it. This is why Swami then he makes the interesting statement about emotional love with its opposite hatred which is sort of like, it's a little hard to get that one, so I'm going to give you a little cycle. And the important caveat, divine love, divine joy, there's no opposite, because divine love and divine joy 
is from the still point of center. There's no opposite to stillness. It's the movement that creates the opposite. The still power of spirit vibrates and makes this creation. As we come back into the heart of our true nature, we come back to that point of stillness. Then we can participate, but we never actually leave that point of stillness. But here's emotional love and emotional hate. Emotional love is on, I have a desire, I want that desire fulfilled, I love you, I love you passionately, you know, you love me back, here we are, we love each other. But what happens if he or she stops loving you the same way that you love them? How dare you betray me? I gave you everything and now you've left me. Just as much as I loved you, I now hate you for hurting me. How long does that take? And it happens all the time, doesn't it? That desire is thwarted. Emotional love, and that doesn't just mean that all human love is emotional love, but the degree to which it is emotional, which it is based on my, my desires being fulfilled by you in the way I think they should be fulfilled. In other words, the basis of that love is not merely what I give, but it's what I get. And almost inevitably, something will happen if you love selflessly, which is divine love. All I want, you know, my true joy, and I don't mean just a sort of martyred, oh, whatever you want, that makes me happy. I mean a true understanding that what I want is what's best for you. This is the ideal of mother love. Mother love gives, raises the child to be an independent, strong adult not to be dependent on her forever. Emotional love that is just based on infatuation and desire, as soon as those desires are disappointed, then resentment occurs. And resentment quickly goes to anger. Anger goes to hatred. I mean, I just... It's very obvious if you really stop to think about it. We see it enough acted out in our lives. Someone who was deeply devoted gets disappointed, their desires are thwarted, and then where does that love go? It just goes out the window. Live as much as possible at the midpoint between all opposites. That is where the infinite spirit dwells. Everything in creation is dual. Thus did the one become many. Every up is cancelled by a down. Light is balanced by darkness. Pleasure by pain. Emotional love by hatred. I say emotional love because there is no opposite to divine love and no balancing opposite to divine joy. Eternal truths lie at the point midway between all opposites. Therefore, I say, live more at your center in the heart. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.